0: All right, so as we dive into today's message, I just want to affirm that sometimes when a pastor comes up to preach, we we bring something that uh, we have mastered, that we know, that we understand, and other times we bring a message that the Lord is working in us. I mean, he's always working something in us, but live, like that day, that night, before, probably this afternoon, and uh, so that's what I'm bringing you today, something that he's been, been trying to speak to me and work in me over the last several uh, days and really weeks, and uh, we're going to dive into this together. Amen? And if you got my whole sermon in one sentence, just in case you zone out a little bit later, um, here's what you need to know. It's going to be all right. Uh, I wish I had a half a church that believed that with me. I said, it's going to be... All right. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. And what I want to talk to you today about is God loves me and I know it. God loves me and I know it. We're going to talk today about building on the love of God, building on the foundation of the love of God. And a lot of times when we talk about the love of God, many Christians think they've got it because they think we're talking about how much you love God, right? And it kind of gives the person a little bit of of space to gloat, if you will, uh, about it. You know, well, you know, I love him so much and, you know, I follow him and I read his word and I just love God so much. But that's not really what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, We're going to be talking about how much God loves you, A lot of times Christians say that they believe in the love of God, but when you look at their actions, they're not believing in the love of God at all. I'm already treading deep. Why? Because when we're walking around and we're carrying care and we're worried and we believe that we're surrounded on every side and no way out, are we really believing in the love of God? when we're stressed because we don't know what tomorrow brings and we don't know what the future looks like and the economy's not looking good and it's an election year and there's, the news is terrible and there's all kind of stuff happening and, and we're, we're stressed and we're overwhelmed. Are we really believing in the love of God? But for some reason, we, we tend to put the love of God towards us in this little box. Well, yes, Jesus came at Christmas and he died on the cross and he rose at Easter and he loves me. Great. But it has very little or no impact in our everyday living. He didn't come and die and give up his life so that we would have to endure this people planet without the help of what he died to give us. But he came and he lived and he died and he rose again that what he died for that we would see, like David said, in the land of the living. So when we're walking around wondering when we're going to be defeated, that's not believing the love of God. But when you believe the love of God, you say, I believe in God's love for me. And because I believe in his love for me, I'm going to be healed. Because I believe in his love, I'm going to be delivered. It's going to be fine. It's going to work out. There's a story that I heard, I don't remember quite where, but uh, there was a a man who was sent to a uh, uh, mentally ill institution and uh, there were some pretty deranged people in this institution that they kind of had given up on and said well they will never be discharged they're going to live out their 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 lives here and this like christian psychologist you know was appointed there and he showed up and he didn't quite know what to do because you know according to everybody's records they were doomed to live their life there so he just said you know, I don't know what to do. So when one man came into his, his session, without really having the knowledge of what to do, he just began to say, sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Wow. And he just sang it. And this man would sing it with him. Well, eventually, people all across the ward were singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so and eventually some of these patients started coming in singing this song and there was a marked change in their mental capacity and something miraculous happened and they started to get better and they begin to sing jesus loves me and something miraculous begin to overtake them and many of them begin to get discharged who were never supposed to be discharged well what happened There's something about when you release your faith in the love of God for you. There's something that happens when you release your faith regarding God's love towards you. Listen, there was no gigantic revelations being shared here. Are you with me? The book of Revelation wasn't open. We didn't, they didn't dissect the Sermon on the Mount. It was the simplistic revelation that God absolutely loves and is passionately pursuing you. Nobody laid hands on anybody. It was a simple recognition and acceptance that Jesus loves me. And even though their minds may have been a little messed up, their spirit began to receive the message, yeah. he loves me. He loves me. Jesus loves me. He loves me. Jesus loves me. They don't like me, but Jesus loves me. They may cut me off and shun me and push me away, but but Jesus loves me. Come on, and when they begin to say that, when you begin to rehearse that in your inner being and in your soul and in your mind, it does something, it releases something, and suddenly now I can have faith and confidence that God loves me. Come on, this is for every Christian, even if you're in the room this morning and you're like, well, yeah, I know God loves me, this isn't for me. Trust me, this is for you. Sometimes we think we have to go deep to get something to happen. All right. Sometimes you don't have to know a lot. You just have to know Jesus loves me. Don't brush this off this morning. This is going to get good. Daniel 11, 32. Those who do wickedly against the covenant shall be corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God... Let me pause right there. The people who know their God... What is he saying? As far as knowing... Of him and not just knowing of him, but having a knowledge of him and beyond knowledge, having an experience with God. Most people know of God. Most people would say they even believe in God. Churches are filled all around the world this morning of people who believe that they're following God. And they may have a lot of surface level information about God. They may know how to quote scripture better than you do. But the Word without the Spirit profits us nothing. So we can, what he's saying is we can gain a lot of information about God. We can study it. We can look at it. I made a mistake the other day. You know, social media follows your like mental thinking and thoughts and knows everything about you even when you don't. And... I had watched this Elvis Presley song that they had like remastered into 4K and I thought it was interesting. And then suddenly all these Elvis fan club things start filling my feed. And it was kind of funny because people are like deep into this. Like deep. Into, and, you know, I just kind of laugh sometimes in, in the scrolling of, did he propose to this one and what's really going on? But what's funny about it is some of these people, and there's a lady who works in the archives there, and, you know, she's pulling out all the stuff. And they say she is the most knowledgeable person about Elvis Presley on the planet. She, she's read every document. She knows everything there is to know about him. But she never met him. And I thought that was so interesting how we can know every detail and read every document and feel like we know somebody from the top to the bottom, but never had an appointed relationship with that person. And that's what many churches do. Let's come and fill them with with knowledge and understanding. And here's what your Bible says. But void of ever introducing you to the power and the presence of a real God who's alive and is pursuing you and diligently wants to do life with you and have relationship with you. So the only way to experience this God is through his love and to know him. So here's what he's saying. To those who do wickedly against the covenant shall be corrupt with flattery. But to the people who know their God, those people who know their God, not intellectual knowledge, not un- mental understanding, not 50 scriptures, those who know him, shall know him. know him. To them, they shall be strong and carry out great exploits. What does exploits mean? It means amazing feats or deeds, noteworthy, or extraordinary acts of achievement, humanly unacceptable or naturally unattainable. So he's saying, how can this happen? How can a person become strong? How can they carry out great exploits? It happens when we have faith in god's love towards us these amazing things start breaking out and taking place in our life why because it's a full reliance on him sometimes when you have too much information it's a problem right and we're trying to figure out the formula and piece it together and you know if i do this and that thing and instead of just saying he loves me and because he loves me it's going to be okay I don't know how that's going to work out. I don't know how that bill's going to get paid. I don't know how the situation's going to turn around. But I know God loves me and that just makes everything okay. Why? Because if He absolutely loves me, then He is for me and He's on my side and He's working on my behalf right now. I don't care what my kids do. I don't care what messes they get themselves in. I don't care how many times t- I've told them no and they did it anyway. It doesn't matter. When they get themselves in trouble, guess what? Daddy's gonna be there, why? Because it's my absolute love towards them. And if you think your parental love is anything, then it, it, your God's love towards you goes far beyond and exceeds anything you could ever imagine, even as a parent. So just because you got yourself in trouble, or you got yourself in the ditch, or you got yourself in the hole, what I want you to know is God's love is still pursuing you. And he says, if you just trust me and you just trust that love, it's going to be okay. You're going to be strong. See, so many people will bypass this and won't pay attention to it because, well, give me something deeper. Give me eight keys to prosperity and teach me the, the, the understanding of the gift of prophecy. And listen, there's a place for all of that. But it's all built on the foundation that God absolutely loves me. I'm not going to prosper and be in health just because I have eight keys. I'm going to prosper and be in health because I understand that God loves me and he wants me to prosper and he wants me to be in health. Therefore, I'm just going to trust in that love and things will automatically start unfolding in my life simply because I have faith in the love of God towards me. So because I have experienced his love and I have faith that no matter what happens in my life, Jesus loves me and it's going to be all right. Jesus loves me and because Jesus loves me, all of his promises are going to come to pass. Jesus loves me and because he loves me, I'm going to be all right. So we, we, we can't ever get so deep that we bypass some of the most simple things. Because he said, listen, to those that know their God they will be strong they will do exploits my question this morning is do you know your god or do you just know about your god the greatest thing we can get is an experience with god right. life with god that's what separates a relationship with jesus than religion i know this might seem basic to many of you this morning but it's powerful is because religion is simply teaching the law and the rules and rituals and when to do and when to don't. There's no power or life in that. But relationship with Jesus is a pursuit of understanding His unfailing, undying, radical love towards me. So how do we know Him? We spend time with him. We talk to him. Wherever quiet enough and shut up long enough, he'll talk back to us. I'm guilty of that a lot. Let me get my my request. Let me, you know, pray for the church people. Let me pray for the finance. Let me do this, do this, do this. Thanks, God. We've prayed through. and left no space for him to talk back. But when you start, diving into that. You start hearing his voice and then you can have confidence in what he tells you. And then you can believe what he promised you. Why? Because you know that he loves you. I believe today that the number one tactic of the devil is going to be to try to convince you that God doesn't love you. That's why even this morning, this can be hard to take in. Why? Because we're so conditioned to think that God doesn't love us or he's mad at us, that God doesn't care. We believe lies like that God's the one who did it. God's the one who made that bad thing happen. Uninformed people will try to tell you that, you know, that's why God didn't show up or this thing happened in your life or the car wreck happened or this is why you got sick. But they didn't know God at all. Why? Because if you know God, you know that's not a part of his character. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You would understand the character of God would never make that thing happen to me. The character of God would never put that thing on somebody. But when you have the wrong impression of God, you begin to blame God for everything. Well, it's God's fault I lost the job. It's God's fault that the, you know this business has fallen apart. It's God's fault that I have sickness in my body. This must be what God wants. This must be what God wants. You know, I, you, you hear people all the time saying, well, I believe God puts sickness on people because he wants to teach them something. That's, that's, there's a tangible majority of the church would believe that teaching. That if, if you become sick in your body, he's trying to teach you something. And I laugh at that because we will take every kind of medicine and Tylenol and pain relief to try to get the sickness gone. And I always say, if you really genuinely believe that God puts sickness on you to teach you something then would it taking medicine be an act of disobedience against God? Well, he put it on me to teach it, me something, and now I'm trying to use medicine to reverse what he's trying to teach me. I'm saying, if we don't logically think that. But there's this resistance in, that, well, maybe God doesn't love me that much, and he knows what I did on Tuesday, and he knows the attitude I had on Friday. So maybe this whole thing is simply because of that. All right, I'm going to move on. But when people have the wrong impression of God, they blame God for everything. When people have a right impression of God, they can say, I don't understand why everything happened, but I know, here's what I do know, he loves me. He loves me, and he's for me and not against me. And that's the kind of love experience when when he's talking about here. Those that know God, they know their God, they will be strong. Why? Because they know him, because they've experienced his love. They know he wants the best for them. They know he passionately pursues them. They know their God. Just pause for a second this morning and think about how many times God delivered you out of a ditch. Anybody else in the room with me? Come on, that's why I, you know, I will say it till I'm done preaching in my life, but you, only you and you and God know your real testimony. Not the testimony that you tell everybody, oh, he saved me. You know, I had an attitude problem, and he saved me. No, you know the faults that you had. You know the way your life was headed. You know what you did in the midnight hour. You know what you did when nobody else was looking. The thing that if it even came out of your mouth, you would hang your head in shame and pray that nobody ever had contact with you again, and God knows that thing. Come on, that's your real testimony. The things that God got you out of that nobody even knows he got you out of because he kept it between you two. Come on. Maybe, I, maybe that's just my life. Maybe that's just me, but come on, somebody. There, when we understand, how, when we just pause for a second and consider how many times God got me out of the pit, it builds a confidence in my life that he never forsook me. Even then, in the darkest hour, he didn't leave me, and he didn't bring me this far to fail me. Now, didn't he show up for you? Come on. That's why sometimes I don't need your explanation of how much you know. I, sometimes it's great, but sometimes it's not always beneficial to know the Greek and Hebrew explanation. All I got to do is think back. I remember when he healed my body. I remember when he gave me provision and I didn't know where the money was coming from. I remember how he gave me peace in the midst of a hard time. I remember you know, when, when I didn't think I would wake up to see another morning, but yet here I am. I am. I'm not saying earthly knowledge, Bible knowledge is bad, but I'm saying there comes a point where you got to bypass those things and say, but do I know Him? Do I have relationship with Him? And sometimes if you just stop and turn around and see where, you brought, where He brought you from and what He brought you through, it will give you confidence in the love of God. Remember a season in my life, there's a, 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 a chorus of a song I was going through a hard time and, and, and uh, I've worked for a retail store and I had actually lost a big chunk of their money. And uh, it's a whole nother story, we won't get into that. But anyway, I knew I had to get this back and I didn't know where it was coming from. And uh, I remember driving to work and uh, uh, had a cassette tape on and the chorus of this one song said, in deep water, as far as I could be, in deep water, Jesus came, stretched out his hand and he rescued me. And the chorus would go on to say, but as you can plainly see, the waters did not swallow me. Jesus came, and I remember singing it and singing it and singing it and singing it and singing it, and, singing it. and somehow, I didn't know how it had happened, but I, I got the money, and I got it back where it needed to be, and God covered the situation. Why? Because I just knew that God, you're for me. God, you're for me. God, you're for me. God, you're working on my behalf. God, you love me. God, you, you, you care about me. Come on, somebody. Knowledge without knowing God is religion, and it profits us nothing. Ephesians three sixteen it says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through the Holy Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Christ will make his home in your hearts as you Trust Him. Trust Him. Come on, sometimes we trust every single system in this world except God. And can I tell you, there's coming a day where the systems of this world are going to fail. The systems that you've trusted all of your life will not work. There may be a day where the doctor says there's nothing that this system can do anymore for you. But it doesn't mean that you're done. The employer might say this system of your employment is done, over, and gone. Does it mean that you're done? It means their system is done. But I've never trusted in their system. I trust in the God that I know. Come on. You're going to have to decide whether you're going to trust God yourself or whether you're going to trust the government or whether you're going to trust their systems or whether you're going to trust a God that has never and will never fail you. As you trust him your roots will go grow down into God's love keeping you strong what keeps you strong roots in God's love verse 18 and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide how long how high how deep his love is may you experience the love of Christ though It is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from your God. Now, let's pause here because this is a familiar scripture. And again, we will pass over the simple looking for the deep. But he says you will be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Back up the verse. How will that happen? As we understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is, that we may experience the love of Christ. So he says, you will be made complete when you've quoted 80 scriptures, when you've called the prayer chain. No, you'll be made complete when you get an understanding of how high, how deep, how wide, how extravagant God's love is towards you. Come on, somebody. This is simple, but this is the power of the gospel. This is what he died to give you. He says, if you get one thing about me, you got to know that I love you. If you get one thing about me, you got to know that I'm passionately pursuing you. So much so that I've got up from my throne in heaven and came to this dirty, stinky people planet and died so that I could be in relationship with you. Come on. And he says, when you understand how much I love you, then you will be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I need to know a lot. I need to know he loves me. He loves me. And his love's not like ours. It doesn't fluctuate. It doesn't go up and down. He says, this thing is hard to grasp. It's hard to understand. His love doesn't reside on a human level. That's why we got to be careful in how we judge other people. Why? Because as we would think right is wrong. I mean, God's love for that your enemy is, is far beyond you could even imagine. That's why I think about Jonah. He got mad because God promised to destroy Nineveh. But when Nineveh repented and had a fast, the Bible says that God changed His mind. Hey, that's a good thing. <laughs> Nobody else had God change his mind about you. I have. God changed his mind. They repented. They got it right, and he changed his mind. And guess what happened? Jonah got mad and said, you promised you were going to kill him. So he said, just kill me. This is too much. Why? Because we we struggle to understand how deep, how high, how wide, how all-encompassing The extravagant love of God is for us. That's why he's forgiven us over and over and over and over again when he should have walked away a thousand times, but he chose to stay. And we still struggle in our heart to forgive somebody else. It's incredible. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. It says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. God loves it when we believe him for big things. God loves it when we pray bold prayers. Why? Because it's a leaning in to an understanding of how much he loves us. If My daughter came out of her room and said, Dad, can I get the crust of a bread to eat for dinner? What, what are you talking about? I would be offended like, like you're saying that I treat you like that, that all you can ask me for is a piece of crust of bread. That would be offensive to me. And when we come to God and say, God, would, 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 would you just do this small little thing, if you can, if you, if you even care about it, he's like, what are you talking? Do you, do you think that that's all I value you for? Do, do you think that, that that's all I want to do for you is this, you know, if I can just get you through the night, if I can, if I can just keep you in the job and, not, and, and never, you know, advance you and never grow you, and if, if I can just keep you started, is that what we really think about God? I mean, Sarah can tell you, you know, I took them all to the store with me. I was supposed to get one thing. (laughs) And she said before we left the house, no toys, no toys. They all just got a round of toys, no toys. (laughs) I didn't get the one thing I wanted to get. But everybody got a snack, picked out their own dinner, and I'm sorry. But when Loretta picked up that toy and looked at her daddy, and, uh, Dad, I tried. I gave it my best. I said, "No, no toys." And she said, "But Dad, I really want it." And squeezed it, it was done. It was done. There there was no and because I'm no respecter of persons, that meant Judy and Jeremiah and Bob, they all so when God's blessing you, I might as well just move in on it because God's no respecter of persons. And I can say, God, but you're doing it for her, so come on over here. God and so do you understand? So when we approach God like He's holding out and He's stingy and He's small and He's hateful and vengeful and holding our past against us, we have a wrong understanding of Him. But when we understand He loves us and all we gotta do is look at Him and say, Daddy, I need it, Daddy, I want it. He just he's, he's just like at the door begging and pleading just just ask me. Just just lean into my love. Just know, just know that I love you. Just if you just open the door a little bit I'll flood I'll flood you to more than you could even comprehend. Paul speaking about experiencing God's love in a way that is infinitely greater than intellectual knowledge. Knowledge is the door not bad but that's where we begin that's not where we stop knowledge opens the door to greater understanding of God come on somebody God doesn't love us because of what we do he will never love you any more than he already loves you and he will never love you any less than he already loves you his love is constant It doesn't change. Galatians 5 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith worketh through love. Faith works through love. How does faith work? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you're not going to move any mighty mountains. Without faith, you're not going to accomplish any great feats for the Lord. Without faith, faith, your life's not going to move forward. Without faith, the relationships aren't going to be mended and restored. But faith always works through love. What love? Love that God has towards us. So my faith has to be attached not to my ability to love God. Man, thanks. Thank you, God, for foreseeing that that would be a problem thank you for looking in the future and saying well if i base this whole thing on their ability to love me well that's going to cause some problems because they're humans and they're fickle and they change and they love this and then they love that you know this is the hot commodity for a generation and then that's the hot commodity and the old things thrown away what we love changes even look at the crowd surrounding jesus at one moment they're 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 he's coming in and they're shouting hosanna hosanna glory to god in the highest and in a moment that whole crowd changed and they begin to cry crucify him crucify him crucify him because he understands our love isn't like his it's not consistent it's not solid it always is changing we can be swayed we can be persevered we can have a wrong understanding so he says listen the love that will be attached to their faith isn't a love of how they love me it's the consistency of my love towards them and that won't change that they can hang their hat on that they can fix their faith on that is something that will carry them through every storm every battle it's the most powerful weapon that we can have. And you know how simple it is? It's a pause and a declaration. God loves me, and it's going to be all right. In the moment, hell raging around you. Chaos and torment and problems and defeats and setbacks. And where you would want to throw your hands up in fear and in anguish and in worry to pause and say, God loves me and it's going to be all right. It's the most powerful weapon you have in your arsenal. He loves me and it's going to be all right. Just because he doesn't do it when we want him to do it doesn't mean he's not going to do it. Delay is not denial. Some of us are just in a delay lap. And sometimes I think it's God just saying, listen, I need you to mature a little bit. I'm working on it. But you got to learn how to cast your care. you got to learn how to laugh in the face of the adversary. you got to learn to, you know, when the enemy comes in. See, we've been thinking, the scripture says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, then God raises up a standard against him. But see, we've been reading it wrong. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, God raises up a standard against him. So he said, I got to mature you a little bit because we, he can't just have us throwing our hands up and running in fear every two seconds when an attack of the adversary runs our way. So he says, listen, I'm going to do this thing for you, but I, it's going to be delayed just a minute because I'm trying to get you to trust my love. I'm trying to get you to understand that your confidence and, you, and your love should be built on me. Some of us have been praying for some stuff, but he's saying, listen this thing will either help you or if you allow it, it will destroy you. Doesn't mean we stop praying for stuff. It just means we pray and say, Lord, I'll just thank you for it until it manifests and i allow you to mature me until it comes. And we, we, we take that word mature as such a bad thing. You know, none of us were born mature. Like we don't like anyone to look at us and say, uh, "You need to mature a little bit." God, what do you mean, God? I'm not, I'm not mature. I'm not. So we have to get past simple knowledge, and we have to turn it into an intimate relationship with God understanding his love towards you will resolve a lot of things in your life it will resolve a lot of things in your life this morning we're going to take communion a little bit in just a minute or two but as I was thinking about taking communion and the sacrifice and I was thinking about Jesus, and you know, He, he came to earth, and, and the Bible says that He took all of, not just my sins, but the whole world's sins on Him, and not just those that were present at the time, and those that were in the past, but future sins, like stuff that we weren't even alive to commit yet, come on. And the Bible says that he absorbed them into his body. He took them on himself. He became those sins. That's why he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men's. What he meant by that, he said, I'll draw all men's sin unto me if I'm lifted up on to the cross. And when I think about that and I think about how broken he was with my sin, how broken he was with the sin of the world on his body, such anguish and such torment, I think to myself, how can I stand here post-Calvary and say that I'm broken and I'm not whole? When he said, I've absorbed your sin, your sickness, your disease, your iniquity, I've absorbed it on the cross. And he did something called the Great Exchange. And he said, Now I give you my righteousness, and I will become sin. So how would I have the audacity to post-Calvary stand and look at the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross and declare that I'm not healed and declare that I'm broken and declare that I'll never be whole, that I'll never be righteous. How could I put down the sacrifice that he made and believe that it wasn't enough for me? Lord, forgive us for even declaring that we're broken, but we declare I am whole. I don't care how bad it was or how bad it hurt. I refuse to declare that I am broken after realizing how much he sacrificed to make me whole. I am whole. You may not feel like it this morning. Your situation may not look like nothing's missing and nothing's broken. But you just need to go ahead and declare over yourself the finished work of the cross. Declare over your relationships, your family members, that I am whole. They are whole. They are restored. Why? Because that's what Jesus died to give me on the cross. The Bible says that the goodness of God leads a man to repentance. Another word for repentance there means to change his mind. What I just want to affirm to you this morning is he doesn't lead us to changing our mindset out of wrath, out of punishment. He leads us out of his goodness. Are you getting this this morning? Do you believe that God loves you? Do you know that God loves you? Do you know that Satan's working overtime to convince you and to get you to believe that God does not love you? You know, his strategy, and if it's anything like my life, is always the same. It's like, eat the cake. It's going to be good. It's going to satisfy. It's going to be amazing. And how do you know the minute after that last bite? Why did I do it? I'm a failure. I'm never going to get this right. That's his strategy. Get him to sin, get him to sin, get him to sin. Why? Because the entrance of sin gives him the ability to convince you that that sin has separated you from the love and kindness of God. And then if he can get you to believe that God doesn't love you, then it stops everything from working in your life. Wow. So the sin is not even really about the sin. It's not about getting you to do bad things. It's about convincing you after you've done the bad things that God has now separated from you. But Jesus took care of the separation problem at the cross. He took care of it. And he said, listen, when you sin, confess, repent, and move forward. And he said, your sins will be thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. Never, 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 never to be remembered against you again. Again. What does that mean? It means when we run to God and say, God, you can't heal my body because of what I've done. God, you can't use me in life and ministry because of what I've done. God looks at us and says, but I don't understand what you're talking about because you keep saying about what you've done. But when I rewind the tape, all I see is you walking under the blood of Jesus Christ, whiter than the snow. I don't know what you're talking about. But here we are, he's mad. He's mad. He's mad at me. Get up when you've fallen. Square your shoulders when you've fallen. Shake the dust from your feet when you've fallen. Say, Lord, I don't ever want to do that again because I know the sacrifice that you made. It's not that we just live in continual sin, but we look at it and we say, God, regardless of how I act, you love me. You love me and that hasn't changed, and it will not change. And that's why Satan attacks our mind. Why? Because it's in our mind. That's the arena of faith. Team, you can come up. Here's how he does it one of two ways. The first way is to keep us ignorant, and to keep us in darkness, and to keep us from knowing God at all. And the second way he often does it is if you get born again, he just works overtime to convince you that God does not love you. That, you know, and Christians say it, you know, well, if you're sick, then you must have done something. Your faith's not strong enough. God must be mad. He must be angry. Listen to what Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 26 says. What can cause a person to rebel against God? Listen, nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord, your God. And you complained in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Who's, he, who's talking here? First of all, this is the Israelites who he brought out of Egypt. Egyptian bondage. They were to take a four day journey and possess their promised land. But they begin to doubt the love of God towards them. Here's the crazy thing. He delivered them from Moses with plagues. Miraculous plagues that touched everyone but them. That'd be it. Like the water turned to blood. The firstborn of the Egyptians died. The cattle got sores. Locusts came in, frogs are everywhere, but it didn't touch me. I'm sealed. I'm done. God, you got my attention. If they get out. Pharaoh changes his mind. He pursues them. Bible says there's a Red Sea in front of them, mountains on either side. God just says, Moses go forward in the strength that you have he parts the Red Sea and they walk across on dry ground like with walls of water on either side and then holds it long enough for them to build a monument in the center of it I'm done God you've got me they were hungry and he said don't worry about it when you wake up supernatural bread falling from the sky to sustain you. He can't get much better than this. Like this should have been their miracle era. This should have been their so close, freaking out, praising and glorifying God for everything that he did era. But it says they rebelled against him. And they complained against them. Why? Because they said in their tents, the Lord hates us. Are you seeing this? Because they did not have faith in the love of God towards them. Even though he brought them out time and time and time and time and time again, they weren't able to see it. Why? Because they believed Falsely that God hates them. That's why I'm convinced, listen, by the time you go invite somebody to church and witness to somebody, I'm convinced that God's brought them out. He's brought them out. He's brought them out. And I just want to tell you, God extending his love isn't just for us. He does it to the unbeliever. He does it to the lost. He does it to the most broken of the broken, always bringing them out 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 but sometimes they can never come to grasp the fact that they are standing today because god absolutely loves them why because the enemy has convinced them over time that the god hates them and if he hates me i'll rebel against him wow I'll say this in closing today you have to believe that God loves you when he parts the Red Sea you have to believe God loves you when he brings you out like he did the Israelites laden with the gold of the Egyptians he just said hey on your way out just gather all their gold little, little gift for you but you also have to believe that he loves you when there are walls surrounding your promised land. You also have to be convinced that he loves you when Pharaoh's pursuing you from behind and there's no way of escape. You also gotta know he loves you when the doctor looks at you and says, there's nothing more we can do. You gotta know it then. You also have to know God loves you when it looks like on the surface there's just no way out of your situation. You gotta know it then. Come on, somebody. That's, that's, that's when you gotta know it. That's when you got to dig in your heels and say, no, he loves me. No, he loves me. No, he loves me. God loves me and it's going to be all right. He loves me and it's going to be all right. I know. That's why he said, whose report will you believe? Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. Why? Because I know that I know that I know that I know that he loves me. And I know he won't forsake me. And I know he cares about me. David said, I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. This is David. I'm not just talking about David the giant killer. I'm talking about the David who was on the run for most of his life from his father-in-law. I'm talking about the David who was in constant warfare and battle. I'm talking about the David who had everything stripped from him time and time again. The David who was lied on. Even then, he would stand in the midst of all of that and say, I've never, ever, ever, ever been forsaken. Why? Because they can lie on me They can take it off from me. They can pursue me. They can chase me. They can badmouth me. They can do whatever they want to do. But I'm confident in the love of God. I'm confident that I'll never be forsaken. I'm confident that it's going to be okay. I don't know how it's going to turn. This is for somebody in the house this morning. You have to believe, even when it doesn't look good, that he loves you. And don't formulate your own fable of how you're going to get out of the situation. Don't formulate in your mind how somehow God's going to swoop in and pick you up and sweep you up and throw you on a mountain and rain down $100 bills, right? It's probably not going to happen like that. It could. But a lot of the times, he'll keep the pressure on. He, he's working on it. It's, it's done in his mind but he's trying to get some maturity out of us. A lot of times in my life, I have found that when God works, it's not a bam, explosion, miracle. Sometimes, and that's good, but sometimes it just works out all right. You want... Anybody else understand what I'm talking about? Like you look back and yeah, there wasn't like miraculous, but he just worked it out. And in the working it out, I got a little bit more mature and I learned to trust him a little bit more. Stand on your feet. How many times has the enemy fooled us away from our power? in convincing us that God doesn't love us How many days have we walked through the day thinking that God was mad at us I heard somebody say, "Well, the spirit of the Lord won't inhabit unclean vessels." Well, I got a problem with that. What other kind of vessel is there? Are you with We all unclean. But it's confidence in his love that makes us clean. Don't you remember, so Paul who had the vision of the sheet with the animals, that he, there was, you know, you weren't supposed to eat certain animals. And he has this vision and on this sheet are all these animals that you're not supposed to eat. And in the vision, the the, the word of the Lord comes to him pretty much and says, slay and eat. And Paul says, not so, Lord there be unclean and I love what he says God says don't you ever call unclean what I've called clean I'm not talking about the sheet and vision anymore I'm talking about you the fact of the matter was those were unclean animals but just because God looked at them and said they're clean made them clean The fact of the matter is we are all broken and dirty vessels. But Jesus went to the cross and he turned around and he looked at us and he said, you are clean. I don't care what the evidence shows. You are the righteousness of God. You are a new creation in God. You are the healed. You are the righteous. You are the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ right positioned on the earth for such a time as this. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. He looks at you and says, don't you ever call unclean what I've called clean. Don't you ever limit my ability to love you. Don't you ever limit my ability to forgive you. God loves me. And I know it. Can you just say that? God loves me. And I know it. Together, come on. God loves me. And I know it. God loves me. And I know it. I know it. And because he loves me, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right.